Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Thank God for all that He's doing. Praise God. Psalms, let's go to Psalms 145. Did y'all have a good week last week without me? Sometimes you need a break, amen? I'm glad there wasn't many amens on that one. That would have been discouraging. Thank God for good ministers that can step in and minister in the church and preach good words, amen? Praise God. We've got a house full of them. Praise God. Let's continue to remember Brother Lucio. How many know Brother Lucio? Villanueva? That's his villa. You know, he's on a missions trip right now for what, three weeks? Three or, three or four weeks. He's in Bolivia, Panama. No telling where else he'll end up. You know, that's a great testimony right there, Brother Lucio. You know, he was a soldier that fought for our nation. What did three, three tours of duty, I think, in Iraq and uh, uh, was traumatized by it. I'm telling you, I, I spent a lot of time with him, ministering to him. And, and you know, from the, from the uh, standpoint of where we first met, I thought, man, this is a tough case. But, you know, God has touched that man's heart, put the nations of the world in his spirit. And, you know, he's just stepped out by faith. He's just believed God. And uh, you say, how does, it, how does, it, how does that happen? Just, just watch him. Watch others that do that. That's how God does it. And I want you to know God's got a plan like that for every person, for every person. And if you've got missions in your, in your spirit, you know, that's, that, you're, God brought you to Island Church for a reason because we're going to send out hundreds, even thousands of missionaries before it's all said and done. And Brother Lucio, he's just the beginning of it. And many of you, that God's put those nations in your heart, will just hang around, get prepared, uh, let God continue to impart the word to you. Uh, that which we teach and preach, we've proved it all over the world. We've taught it and preached it all over the world. And when you get it into your spirit, not only can you teach it and preach it, in the world. You can live by it. And you can live good by it. Amen. And God will bless you for it. Well, a couple of weeks ago we began uh, just kind of what I'd call a little mini-series mini uh, uh, studying the mercy and the grace of God. And, and since then I've been studying and, and, and looking at the Word. And, and God's kind of amplified a lot of that in my spirit because I see such a need uh, in the body of Christ today uh, for people to understand uh, the mercy of God and the grace of God. When we understand those things, we understand how good God is. You know, there's a lot in Christianity today, especially when it comes to the denominations, the, uh, uh, the re different religions that people adhere to within the confines of Christianity. And sad to say, sad to say, for the most part, uh, many people uh, are rejecting the power of God today. Uh, the healing power of God, the, the, the ability of God to prosper us financially, uh, the ability of God to deliver uh, from drug addiction, from alcoholism, from things like that. Uh, the, basically what I would call the supernatural ability of God. Uh, there's just been a, uh, how can I say, in the past, I would say decade, a great discounting of that. Uh, stepping in uh, has been a great move toward what I would call uh, making it real easy for people to serve God. Uh, they've called it the, the user friendly or the seeker friendly church where you know nothing is really ever said controversial uh, there's really no uh, demand put upon the church uh, we never say anything about healing never say anything about giving never say anything about the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues that's so controversial you know we wouldn't want to offend anybody 
But, you know, there, there, then there's the rest of us, kind of a remnant of people who kind of came out of the charismatic move, word of faith move, if you'd call it a move. I don't say it's a move. I don't think it's ever gone away. Uh, but we've kind of just stood our ground and said, no, no, no. You know, that stuff can come and go. But God is still a God of his word. And he still loves the world. And he wants the sinner saved. And he wants the sick healed. And he wants the oppressed delivered. And for as far as the world concerned, as he views the world, he views the world with great compassion and great mercy, great grace and kindness. And he loves people and he loves you. And he's a good God. He's not a bad God. And he's not the source of your problem. You know, uh, 6,000 or so years ago, when man was created and placed in the garden, man had a great strength as long as he was connected to God. But when mankind departed from the presence of God through sin, a great weakness entered into humanity. And listen, humanity, the human family has been weak ever since. There's never been a day in our history as a human family upon this earth that we've been strong. Look at the history of the past 114 years. From 1900 until 2014. Listen, we have destroyed ourselves. We have starved ourselves. We've made ourselves sick. Uh, we have depleted resources. We've done all kinds of things to prove how weak we are as a family. God knows that. And listen, if we're so busy inflicting so much harm upon ourselves, think about the wars. Think about the rumors of war. Think about the famine. Think about the natural disaster. Think about all that goes on in disease and, and infections. Think, think about all that goes on through the wage of sin, how people destroy one another through that. Listen, if we had a God that didn't love us, we'd really be in trouble. I said, if we had a God that wasn't a good God, we'd really be in some kind of trouble. But we have a good God. We have a merciful God. We have a kind-hearted God. People say, you just make it too easy. No, we don't make it too easy. God made it too easy. That if you really see him in the light of who he is and what he can do, you can't help but love him because he loves you so much. Amen. Now, Psalms 145, let's begin. Uh, there in verse 8. We'll read there, then we'll go over to the book of Matthew. I love this. It says, the Lord is gracious. Do you know what it means to be gracious? Uh, say, say you go to somebody's house, you knock on the door, you've been invited over for a, uh, for a meal uh, in, in the evening, and they meet you at the door, and, and you know, they take your hat and your coat, if you're wearing a hat and a coat, uh, and they hang it up, and, and they bring you into the den, and, and they offer you your, uh, you know, the most comfortable chair in the den, and, and they turn the television on your, your favorite show so you can watch as they finish preparing the meal, and then as the meal is finished, they invite you into the dining room, and they pull your seat out, and they make sure you're served first, and, and they just kind of wait on you hand and foot. That's called being gracious. Amen. That's a little different for coming knocking on somebody's door and somebody says, hey, come on in. The kitchen's in there. The den's in there. The bathroom's over there. Make yourself at home. <laughs> I know that's how some of us do, but that's not very gracious. Somebody that's gracious is looking after your need. Somebody that's gracious is serving you. Somebody that's gracious is exhibiting uh, their, themselves in such a way that they're preferring you over themselves so that you might be comfortable in their surroundings. Somebody ought to get a revelation from that. You say, what do you mean? That's the way God is. In his graciousness, graciousness toward mankind, mankind was stained. Mankind was dirty. Mankind was ugly. So God said, I want you to come hang out with me and live with me. So I'm going to clean you with the blood of my son. I'm going to wash you with the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take the word of God and put it in you and fix you all up so I can be gracious to you. And so you can hang around with me. 
tell you, how many like hanging around with God? That's what I do every day. I like hanging around with God. I get up in the morning and say, here we go, Lord. What are we going to do today? Praise God. Here we go, Lord. How, what kind of fun are we going to have today? What kind of joy are we going to spread? How are we going to be a blessing to people? I'm telling you, it's just great to live for the Lord. You say, why? Because the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Compassion is described. Now, compassion in both the Hebrew and in the Greek. We know the Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. Compassion is a deep inward yearning. Actually, it can be described as a motivation on the inside that motivates somebody to act. You know, compassion is a very powerful force. Now, I gave the illustration. Uh, Pastor Allen and I were up on the causeway, and there was a horrible wreck. This is several years ago, probably about five or six years ago. Just a horrible wreck. And we were, like, right in front of it. So we came to a halt, and immediately we get over, went over and began to, uh, uh, to minister to the, to the people. Brother Allen was pulling people out. Uh, I happened to have a, a knife that had a cutter on it, and there were sparks going everywhere. Gasoline was everywhere. That thing could have turned into a real disaster. But we cut those cables, and... And we got those people out and they were horribly injured, almost scalped blood everywhere. And the compassion, I mean, it broke my heart, the compassion. I laid hands on them. I was praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, ministering to them every way we could. The wreck took place on the top of the causeway. Now down at the bottom, all of the firemen and EMTs, they had to run with all their equipment. And here they came. I mean, they were running, 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 probably close to 200 yards. And when they got there, of course, they're very professional, very skilled. But they went to work according to their, their profession. But their compassion began to flow. You can't be in that type, of, that type of business without being compassionate. Their compassion began to flow. And all of these strangers and all of these people, all of these professionals, nobody really knew each other. All of this compassion began to be ministered to this one hurting family that was so injured that had lost a son. Actually, their son was killed and was in the backseat of that car. And all this compassion. Listen, not only did we feel hurt, not only did we feel uh, harm for them, but we did something about it. That's what compassion does. Compassion motivates God to jump in and do something about your situation. He's gracious, full of compassion. I like this. He's slow to anger. He's not mad at you. Everybody say that with him. Say, God's not mad at me. Say, God's not mad at me. You say, but I failed him. He's not mad at you. You say, but I've missed him. He's not mad at you. God is a God that is what? Slow to anger. He's not mad. He loves you. He's full of grace. He's full of compassion. It says the Lord is good to all. So what? The Lord is good to all. That's a big word. Three little letters make a big word. You say why? Because we all stand within the confines of all. I'm going to let that soak for just a second. You say, what do you mean? We all stand within the perimeters of all and God is good to all. That means God is good to you. God is good to me. You say, but pastor, this has happened. But pastor, that has happened. Listen, we must understand something about the Lord. About God the Father. God the Word, Jesus Christ. God the Holy Ghost. They've done all they can do to get their relief and their power and their word and their revelation to us. They've done all they could possibly do according to the quote terms of justice. You say, who sets those terms? I'm not sure about all of that. But there is certain perimeters that not even God himself will violate. 
But God's done all he can do to provide us with blessing, to provide us with forgiveness, to provide us with mercy and grace and compassion. And we must do what he requires us to do to get into that so we can bring to that, that into our lives and enjoy the benefit of it. Listen, you can't just sit around staring around and think, well, it's going to come to me somehow. No, it won't. You've got to desire it. You've got to want it. You've got to say, God, I know you supply it. Show me how to get it. He is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Now, what what did we decide a couple of weeks ago? Mercy is the ability of God from getting us out of what we got into us. What we got into. To stop from happening to us what should happen to us. We looked at the ten lepers. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. We looked at blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Their their lives were already pre-planned, preordained that they were going to live the life of a leper. That they were going to live the life of a blind man and die. But Jesus intervened. Jesus was, is, and forever will be the dispenser of God's mercy. God's ability to get us out of what we got into because of original sin. God's ability to get us out of what we get ourselves into because we make mistakes. How many have ever needed some mercy once you started serving God? He said, Lord, just give me some mercy. Just give me some mercy. Now, in understanding that, we must understand that most inerrant doctrine... Doctrine that does not line up with the Word of God. Always remember this when you come to Island Church. We're not here to put a spin or an interpretation on the Word of God. Amen. Now there is what's called in the book of 1 Timothy the right division of the Word of God. Uh, He exhorted Timothy, which he exhorts all of us, study, show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. You can twist the Word of God to say anything. There was always the story about the guy that every morning he'd get up and flip the Bible and let it lay open and then he'd point to a scripture until one morning he opened the Bible and just let it fall over. He pointed to a scripture and looked down and said, Judas went and hanged himself. So he didn't like that scripture, so he did it again and pointed to a scripture, opened his eyes, said, go ye and do likewise. Well, that's not the right division of the word of God. Amen. But the Holy Ghost is the teacher on the inside of you. That's why I always say, if you ever hear something taught that kind of makes your stomach knot up, that's not God. That's not God. No, we're not here to try to put a spin. We're not trying to here to, to take the word of God and tell you what we interpret the word of God to say. No, we let it stand on its own. Jesus said you must be born again we got born again the word of God says to tarry till you be endued with power well the original guys did it they got it now we got it today amen the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they recover so we lay hands hands on the sick and they recover the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel we don't try to spin it we don't try to interpret it we just go into all the world and preach the gospel now aside from that most inerrant doctrine that people get themselves into they get into because of unanswered prayer You take a few people that don't get healed and you let some guy get up and talk about healing, talk about healing, talk about healing and somebody doesn't get healed, they'll change their doctrine to fit their circumstance. That's one of the greatest mistakes of humanity is changing doctrine to fit circumstances. People do it all the time. They talk about God being mean. Insurance companies write into insurance policies, acts of God. Those aren't acts of God. 
When a hurricane hits somewhere and people are destroyed, property is destroyed. When a volcano erupts, when an earthquake happens, those aren't acts of God, they're acts of the devil. The Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life in heaven in abundance. So what they're doing, they're looking at the situations and circumstances and thinking, surely God controls everything. He could have stopped that. Amen. But I want you to know God doesn't control everything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You say, well, he doesn't control you. It's a good day when he starts doing that. But God doesn't control everything. God controls what we put him in charge of. Now, there's a sovereign will of God in which he is controlled. Listen, the moon's not going to fall. The sun's not going to uh, quit to shine. Uh, you know, all of the seasons of the year will continue to happen because God, through his sovereign word and sovereign will, put all that stuff into order. But all the affairs of mankind and all that's going on in the human family, that's not God's family. You got into God's family when you got born again. You got into God's family and for the first time in your life you put yourself under the control of God. Listen, God does not allow murder. God does not allow abuse. All these horrible things that happen to people, God would never allow that. He is a good God. He's full of compassion and tender mercies over all the earth. You say, then why does it happen? Well, we've got a human family that's fallen into sin and unrighteousness. We've got an adversary called the devil. We've got all kinds of humanism and garbage where people have yielded to their minds more than they've yielded to their spirits so they fall into that kind of stuff. But God has an answer today and his name is Jesus. Now, for all of these that believe according to that which has been interpreted to them, God no longer heals. Actually, there's a lot of people in Christianity that don't believe in salvation. That's like believing in football, but not believing in the touchdown. Think about that a minute. You take any other subject, that's like believing in going fishing, but not catching fish. Believing in going to the restaurant, but not eating. How many know what I'm talking about? There's people that be, well, you know, that stuff, that was, that was for the people in the Bible. But today, and I've heard, I've even heard ministers say this sometimes, today, just be good. If you're a good person, God would never send a good person to hell. God would never send a good person to hell, but good people go to hell every day. You say, well, they choose to go there. God said, here's, here's your way to heaven. You must be born again. There's no other name given among men by where we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And also, the same God that saves, saves us will heal your body. Will set you free and deliver you from addictions, from mindsets, uh, from things that torment you and give you fear. He will also prosper you financially. I don't care who has not been able to make it work. That does not nullify God's ability to do it. Now here's the key. God's ability to do it or his willingness to do it. Now in teaching on this mercy and grace subject, here is where I want to pull this together. That is with so many people do not doubt the ability of God. Even people that do not believe like we believe. If you were to say, well, do you think God could do anything? Yeah, well, sure, God could heal anybody he wanted to. Where the problem comes is in the willingness side. I know God is able, but is he willing? But you have to have as much faith in God's ability as you do in his willingness Because, now think about this, as able as God is, as able as God is, he is also willing. Now go to Matthew real quick, Matthew 8, we'll look there for just a moment. Matthew 8, look at this, I think this is neat. 
How many love the Lord? How many believe God? He's merciful. First, chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Now notice this. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst makest me clean. Let me read the Amplified. Jesus came down from the mountains. Great, throng, great throngs followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and said, prostrating himself and, and worshipped him and saying, Lord, if you're willing, you're able. Lord, if you're willing, you're able to cleanse me by curing me. Now notice that again. Lord, if you are willing. Now notice the if. That little word right there. That little if right there has caused a lot of suffering in the world. Because if you can get that if removed, you're fixing to tap into the ability of God. That little if has been the source of a lot of misinformation. That little if right there has alienated people from the mercy of God. Because as much as God can with his power heal you he wants to deliver you he wants to prosper you he wants you set you free he wants to heal your marriage he wants to do it there is greater proof of his desire of wanting to do it than any other thing in this world you say how can you say that multitude thousands multitude millions of people have been saved multitudes millions of people have been healed multitude millions of people have been set free and he said well then why don't we hear about it because this world system doesn't amplify that it doesn't vocalize or commun- it'll, it'll tell you about every mistake a preacher makes amen I remember, I remember when uh, Dr. Oral Roberts I just actually read the chapter in the book that I'm reading about the man uh, from the racetrack they were believing God for, nine, for $8 million. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Now, you, you believe me for this $8 million or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring you home. You know, the news media, here's the way the news media said it. The news media said, Oh, Roberts wants $8 million or God's going to kill him. <laughs> That's not what God said. Actually, what the Lord said to him is you will be so weary, you will be so, you will be so discouraged that, and, and you will just, you know, you'll just lose so much of what you do, the momentum of what you're doing, that I'll just have to bring you home. But he said, we stood and we believed. And he said, money began to come in. And he said something like six point something million dollars. And he says they were on TV and this guy from some, some state over there who owned a dog track wasn't even saved. His wife had corrected him in something that he said about the amount of money that was coming in. And this guy got a revelation. He said, that guy's got integrity. He's got integrity. I'm going to fly to Tulsa and give him all the money that he needs. And this guy flew to Tulsa, wrote, opened a checkbook, wrote a check for $1.3 million. And paid that $8 million off. Well, of course, he ended up getting saved, getting blessed, and all that kind of stuff took place. Amen. But the point is, the key is is everybody was beating up on old Roberts. Beating up on him, beating up on him, beating up. Where were the thousands and the millions that had been healed in his ministry? You say, where were they? Nobody would give them a voice. Nobody would let them get on ABC, CBS, NBC, or CNN and testify. I was in his crusade in 1955. I was in his crusade in 1962. I was in his crusade in 19... A lot of people don't know. Both of his shoulders were plastic. 
You say, why was his shoulders plastic? Because he sat in a chair every day for years and laid hands on over 10,000 people a day till his shoulders wore out. The majority of them were healed by the power of God. All kinds of polio and crippling injuries. All kinds of cancers. All kinds of arthritis. All types of disease were healed. Nobody said anything when he's going through that. There are voices out there. There are multitudes that have been touched by the power of God. But it's amazing how in the world system one negative voice will just, will just re, 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 what's that word? Uh, resound above all the rest of it. But I got good news. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now notice what it says. If you can, if you can, if you can, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, you ought to, just, you ought to take and put a circle around these two words and put a big star next to it. He said, I will. Everybody say, I will. Now notice, he did not have faith in his willingness till he said, I will. Are you ready for this? I want everybody to get ready. Are you ready for this? Jesus is God's great big in red letters, I will to everything you need. Oh, you need to hear that again. Jesus is in great big written with blood, red letters, Jesus is God's I will to everything you need and to everything you believe in God for. When he walked on the earth, he was a manifestation of what? The grace and the mercy and the compassion of God and the forgiveness of God. And everywhere he went, the Bible says the common people received him gladly. That's why I just want to stay common. I just want to be a common person. I want to receive him gladly. But boy, the religious people, just like they do today, they get all stirred up. They get all mad. They get all mean because somebody got healed of diabetes. Because somebody got delivered of cancer. Because somebody blind, somebody's blind eyes got open. Some drug addict got delivered. Some alcoholic got set free. They get mad at the compassion and the mercy of God. But I've got good news. That's not going to stop the flow of it. We're just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Everybody say, I will. I will. Say, Jesus, Jesus is my I will from God. Now, while we're there in Matthew, go to chapter 9 real quick. Go to chapter 9, verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. He entered into a ship, passed over, and came to, the, uh, came to his own city. And behold, they brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Isn't that terrible? Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven me. Now, I want to stop right here. And when I ask you this morning, you that are born again, you that are saved, you that are right with God, how many of you have confidence? You don't believe, you know your sins are forgiven. Amen. I mean, you know it. I mean, you're not out there, well, I hope. I, 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 uh, he, you know, there were some sins though. I just, you know. But no, you don't, have, you don't ever think about that. It never bothers you. You know the blood of Jesus has cleaned you from all sin and unrighteousness. That your sins past, present, and future are taken care of. You say, you mean my future sins? That means God's already made provision for your future sin. That's called grace. We'll study that later. But because he's done that, doesn't mean you should sin in the future. Because that same grace will keep you from that sin. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Well, that's a whole other message. We'll preach that in a couple of weeks. But he said to this guy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 3. And everybody rejoiced 
and they had a camp meeting and it went on for six months and thousands got saved. And that's what it says. It said, well, behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. Now notice this. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Why arise and walk? But that you may know. Everybody say, May know. That you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go to thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now notice. Isn't it amazing how much faith how much confidence? Oh yeah, my sins are forgiven. But then when it comes over here to healing, we're like, uh, well, I don't know. I still got to take medicine. I still got to go to the doctor. I still got the symptoms. Not realizing that as, as forgiven as you are, you are just as healed as you are forgiven. Jesus tied it right together right here. He says, okay. I'm going to forgive your sins. Because sin is the real issue. Sin is the door that opened. The trespass of Adam and Eve was the door that is opened. That let all of the iniquity, all of the trespass, all of the sin, all of the disease, all of the corruption and rot and all of that's wrong with humanity. It all came in through that door. And if you're going to destroy the sin nature in man and all that sin is produced, you've got to go to all the little things. All the sickness and disease and the infirmity and the lack and the poverty and all the garbage that came into humanity. And you've got to gather all that up and eradicate it. And that's just what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. He was wounded for our transgression. Bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. You are as healed as you are forgiven. Amen. Let me try it again. You are as healed as you are forgiven. Amen. That is his mercy. That is his compassion. That is his kindness and great love toward us. You are as delivered. We got a lot of people coming. Well, we're believing God to get off drugs. You're already delivered. Yes, yes. I had a guy come to me out on the floor. It's been about five. Right, right after we first got into the building before the storm. And he said, he met me out in the corner. He said, uh, he said, man, he said, you know, I've been coming to the church. and Man, we love your teaching and all that God's doing. And he said, but I got one. He said, man, I'm hooked on weed. Would you pray and agree with me that God would take this weed from me? I said, he don't want it. <laughs> he looked at me kind of, what? I said, what would he do with it if he had it? I said, he don't want your weed. He don't want your alcohol. He don't want your crack. He don't want your drugs. He will get you delivered. He will get you set free. He will open the door of bondage. He said, well, I've just been believing God to take it from me. No, he will deliver you from it. Amen. Now, now, here's the good news for anybody. That, how, many, how many can testify this? Not only will he deliver you from the habit, but he'll deliver you from the want to to ever go back to it again. Yes. Where you never have to worry about it again. That's the compassion of God. That's the compassion of God. You're as delivered. Did you get saved? Say, I got saved a couple of Then you are as delivered as you are saved. You are as healed as you are saved. You're as prosperous. You say, why? We read the scripture earlier over in 2 Corinthians. He that was so very rich took his riches and what? Stripped himself of it so that he might take our poverty so that we through him might be made rich. Everything you have need of. Cut it back from the angle of the forgiveness of sins. 
Everything that he's forgiven you for. Everything that he's taken out of your life. You're as blessed, as healed, as delivered, as prosperous as you are saved. Amen. Amen. Now, here, let's wind this up. You liking this? Now, notice this. Go, now you're in chapter 9. Go all the way. Go all the way to the end of the chapter. Verse 36. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching. Everybody say teaching. Teaching in their synagogue. Preaching. Everybody say preaching. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing. Everybody say healing. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now let me tell you who the multitude. The multitude were the people that were coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. Everybody say come to Jesus. Now they came to Jesus and he began to have compassion upon them. Then said, then he said unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now... The compassion and the mercy, and we'll even use the word grace, and the grace of God. The kindness and goodness of God comes where? From God through people. It comes to you that it might go through you. If there's not a willingness in you for it to come through you, how is it going to come to you? I'm letting that sink in a little bit. You say, what do you mean? Pastor, I'm just, listen, I, I don't want to bother nobody. I don't bother nobody. I don't want to bother God. I don't want to bother the Holy Ghost. I don't want to bother the devil. I, I just need this one prayer. If I can get this one prayer answered, if I can get this, if I can get this prayer answered, then look, I'll leave you alone. I'll leave God alone. I'll leave the devil. I won't mess with Island Church. But the problem is you got a hook in you. The Bible says you put hooks in your britches. You say, what do you mean? From the day you got saved, from the day you got born again, you're not your own. You are bought with a price. And that price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, you must understand that everything God has, he wants to get it to you so he can get it through you. You say, well, pastor, I'm not called to pastor a church. I'm not called to be a missionary. He wants you ministering those people that you're, that's at your job, that's in your neighborhood, that you run across every day. He wants the word in you. He wants the anointing in you. He wants the blessing of God. He wants the mercy and compassion of God. Who else is going to minister that compassion if it's not you? When somebody's hurting at your job, who else is going to put their arm around and say, God can take care of this situation? Who else is going to minister Jesus to them but you? You say, we want you to come do it. No, I'm here to raise you up for you to go do it. <laughs> then he said unto his disciples, the harvest is truly, pray ye therefore, the Lord, of the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into the harvest. What do the labors do? Teaching, preaching, healing. That means everywhere you go, you're imparting information, inspiration, and demonstration of God. People are watching you. I say, you, I'm, I want them to hear what I'm saying. They are watching you. Your life is preaching the gospel. Amen. Remember, what was the little exercise we did a while back? How many remember that one? Did that? You, do your fingers like this? Everybody do that? Everybody do that? How many remember that one? Make a zero with your, with your hand. Everybody hold that zero up. Now put it right here on your chin. That's not your chin. You that had been here before knew that. But everybody else was going like this, like I would. See, more than you heard me, 
more than you heard me. People are watching you. Last scripture, real quick. 2 Corinthians. Here we go. Mercy of God. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Compassion. Gracious God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. How many love the word? Isn't it rich? Oh my goodness. My goodness. Don't ever go on a word diet. I said, don't ever go on a word diet. Say, that word's too rich for me. Well, just listen, just eat, 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 just keep eating it. Amen? Now, the scripture, I'm going to kind of pull it out of context and read it. Verse 19. I said verse 21, I meant verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ. Now, there's a great revelation right there. So, well, I'm not sure about God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words that I say, the deeds that I do, they're not my own, but my Father. What did Jesus do? The Bible says, Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Does Jesus heal? He heals. You say, how do you know? I see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Does Jesus save? He saves. Does he forgive sin? He forgives sin. Can he bring supernatural supply? He can bring supernatural. Everything I see about Jesus in the, in the Gospels, I know that's true of my Father. Because that's, that's what he was. He was the imprint, the, the, the image of God. He was a man walking on the earth in correct relationship to his God that gave us a revelation of his God. Amen. Are you with me? To wit, it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us a word of reconciliation. Now let me read an Amplified. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. Where'd all your shouts go? But canceling them. And committing unto us the message of reconciliation, restoration to favor. Now notice that phrase again. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. But canceling them. Now here's, let me close with this. Here's what religion will tell you. Many denominations. I guess this is how they interpret it. I don't know. But it's not what the Bible says. God's got a book. God's got a book. He's got your name in that book. And he's writing some stuff next to your name. He sees you. He knows you thought that thought. There goes a mark next to your name. Come on church. You'd be surprised how many people are tormented with this type of thinking. He saw, yeah, he saw you drink that beer. There's a mark. He saw you watch that. Well, you shouldn't know. He, there's, there's another mark. And you know, it don't take but a few months. In a couple of years. Have a whole lot of marks. So here's religion tells you this. You got to go to work on that book. You, gotta, you, gotta, you better start being good and getting them marks off. Because if you die and there's marks there, it's going to be tough. Now listen to me. If this makes you mad or offends you, I, I don't know if I can help you. 
religion, denominationalism, and sad to say about 90% of all Christianity is in the sin business. In the sin business. Showing you you have sin. Telling you you got sin. Telling you you got to sin. Come on church. And if you took the sin element out of what they preach, they ain't got nothing to preach. Because you're all a bunch of dirty sinners anyway. We're just all sinners. I got saved that one time. We're all sinners. We took a, uh, we took this one friend of mine. Uh, we took him on a hunting trip, and there was there was a, a pastor from Ireland and a missionary from Nicaragua, and myself. I think Alan was with me, and we were all talking about God, talking about God. And he just he just kind of got tired of it. And he just piped up and said, "Well, we're all sinners anyway." And all five of us at one time said it without any rehearsal. We all said, "Not us." <laughs> But Christianity, religion, they're in the sin business. You take sin away, they have no business. Come on, church. They come and they make you feel bad about your sin. Because if I can make you feel bad enough about your sin, you'll be good. Hogwash. I don't want you to feel any way about your sin. I want you to know there ain't no book. I convinced about four people. There ain't no book. I, don't, I know people don't like the word ain't, but I'm going to use it anyway. There ain't no book. He's not counting up your sins. He's not counting up your trespasses. He has, through his compassion, through his mercy, through his grace, he has canceled everything you've ever done. Yeah, see, that's what people say. Yeah, that, you just make it too easy. That's just too good to be true. That's why it's God. That's why it's God. There is no marks against your name. There is no, the Bible says right there in verse 19, 2 Corinthians, he has taken and what? Through the work of redemption, his compassion, his mercy, his great love, where when he has loved you with, he has canceled every sin. He's eradicated the sin nature. He has healed your body. He has prospered your finances. He's given you authority over the enemy of mankind, which is the devil. He has raised you up and seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he says, take that information and live more than a conqueror on this earth. Don't let religion beat you down. Don't people tell you you're a poor old sinner. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a partaker and an experiencer. Is that even a word? If not, we just made it up. You're an experiencer of his mercy. Say, look at me. You want to see the compassion of God? Look at me. You want to see the grace of God? Look at me. You want to see the mercy of God? Look at me. I'm talking about each and every one of us. You see what I'm saying? But the world says, no, 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 no. You got a book. Got a book. Got to work on that book. Got to get to work on that book. And God says, there's no book. There's no marks. And if I had time, I could teach you on the Lamb's Book of Life that you don't even get your name written in there till you're born, when you're born again. Did you know that? See, we ought to hear that came out. You, you've never heard us say that. Well, they just all got their name written in the Lamb Book. God has so much faith in redemption that he wrote every person's name in the book. And the name is only removed when you, com when you commit the unpardonable sin. You say, what are you talking about? Every name of every person is in the Lamb's book of life until the day you die without Jesus. And God is forced to take your name out. 
You say, why? He has faith in redemption. He has faith in the cross. He had faith somebody was going to reach you with the gospel. He had faith in his own mercy. He had faith in his own compassion. He had faith in his own grace that someday, somehow, someway, that gospel message would get into your heart, into your spirit, and you would say, merciful, compassionate God, and say, yes, God, I want you. I want Jesus. I want to be saved. And God would say, now I've got you. And I can bless you. And heal your body. You're as healed as you are saved. You're as prosperous as you are saved. You are blessed as you are. Not by works of righteousness according to which we have performed. But according to his mercy. He has saved us. Healing. Preservation. Soundness. Safety. Deliverance. It's his mercy and his compassion toward us. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father we worship you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your great love. Your word says, your great love or when you have loved us with. We're so thankful, Father. There's no book in which you're keeping up with all of the bad things we've done. But you've taken the great eraser of the blood of your son, Jesus, and eradicated every trespass. Every sin that we would commit past, present, and future. We're so thankful today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Nobody looking around. If you're here today, you say, Pastor... I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. Maybe you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He cares for you. He knows the weakness of humanity. And because of that, he has great compassion toward us. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, would you please pray with me? I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to do that. If that's you, would you lift your hand right now? Anybody at all. One hand, you can put it down after you've raised it. Another hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Another hand, God bless you there. Another hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Another hands, God bless you. You can put them down once you've raised them. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to look one more time. If you've not raised your hand, if you've raised your hand, you don't have to raise it twice. But if you've not raised your hand, you say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray with me. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Now everybody look this way. Everybody uh, that raised your hand, in just a moment, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up here and stand with me as I pray with you. That is an act of faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. You say, but Pastor, couldn't I do it privately sometime? Maybe meet with you. You You know, Jesus died openly. Openly and publicly, he stretched his hands upon a rugged cross. All the world viewed him in his agony. All the world viewed him in his shame. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't ashamed. And we shouldn't be ashamed of him. So the church is going to stand and they're going to begin to give a big hand clap and applause. It's not for my preaching nor the music. It's for every one of you that raised your hand. They're exhorting you, go down there. We don't judge anybody. We're saying, go down there and pray with pastor. Get right with God and come enjoy living for God with us. So if you'll do that, I will pray with you, and God will do the work. Amen. Island Church, stand up. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.